Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Record on this computer. I've already had it from, oh. from uh, my wife. You're recording a podcast on Easter Sunday? The well, blasphemy. Oh, uh, happy Ostara to you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Happy Ostara to you. My understanding of Easter is uh, it was the day that they celebrated the sun coming back uh, as a brighter entity because the sun, as in not the sun of God, the, the sun in the sky would go a little bit darker. And the cross was the Southern Cross in the solar system. And that's where... Bollocks, we've been clinging on to this shit for years. You know, we've been putting our hopes in sun, sky, moon, whatever, deities. It's all a little bollock. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, there's the things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like Buckfast And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Yeah. In the town where I was born do, 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 do. This is a very, it's going to be a very Limerick episode today just if you're from Limerick you're very welcome welcome to all our Limerick listeners let me just move this mic in a very unprofessional way which I should have done before I started recording but hey um hi hey how you doing it is the Keith Walsh podcast it's a minute past nine trying to get uh, a couple of podcasts up as I do on a Sunday night get them up get them loaded get 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 loaded myself and uh, go downstairs and watch a bit of tally with the family before bedtime and the plan is then to get up early tomorrow morning Today is the day that I've decided not to eat chocolate today, at least. And tomorrow I'll try not to eat chocolate tomorrow. Um, so I'm I made myself a big sort of smoothie thing with the uh, oats and fruit and almond milk and you know just something to I basically just to fill myself up so I wouldn't be snacking. Um, and I've got some raw carrots chopped up, all that kind of nonsense. Anyway, so. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm hoping to get my calorie intake down from, you know, at least less than one whole bar of chocolate. Um, I did have something I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, we we um, had a chat with Mike, uh, a podcast where, he, where we did a podcast where Mike asked me questions and he, he put the, he, he interviewed me, basically. It's, episode, it's about three episodes ago. And in that chat, he asked me a question. I can't remember what the question was, but I talked about a band I was in for a while um, when I was in school. And when I say a band, like it was three of us, and we I think we might have practiced 
once or twice we were in a band anyway. but then I left to join another band and they didn't really want me in the band anyway. So you have to listen to the podcast to, to get the gist of the story anyway so he was asking me about the guys who were in the band and I said well it was Clyde and Shane and I didn't really know where I knew I'd been in touch with Clyde but hadn't really heard from Shane for a while didn't really know where he was anyway bing I got an email Shane had listened to the podcast you see you kind of forget that people can listen to these things Shane that I went to school with hope he doesn't mind me reading this out um, and he said uh, so I was saying I, I felt like I, you know I'd left a, we were kind of starting a band and I kind of left and there was kind of hard feelings and so he wrote me an email. He said, Hey, Keith, no hard feelings about breaking up the band. Smiley face. I'd actually been misremembering events all these years as the band kind of dissolving because A, we couldn't get it together to play even a single song from <laughs> from front to back and B, technical difficulties like my shitty 12-watt amp being inaudible above Clyde's free jazz peg leg percussion therapy. <laughs> I've obviously just been blocking out the pain. Uh, I think there's probably three three memories there, Shane. Um, and he sent me a link to a documentary he was watching about a band called um, called Slint. I'd been hearing about this band called Slint that made this album, and I knew I didn't know where it come from. But anyway, there's this documentary. The documentary is called um, Breadcrumb, and uh, it's supposed to be excellent. So if you're into music documentaries, all that kind of stuff. And if you like your music a little bit alternative and indie, it's probably a good one to watch. Uh, Breadcrumb, I think it's called, and the band are uh, called Slint. So um, so he sent me that and he said, uh, I watched this last week and highlights that our focus was perhaps also lacking. Seems we needed to spend nine hours a day in a hot basement from the age of 14 playing the same riff over and over for hours if we ever aspired to make the noises in our head. If you haven't seen that documentary, definitely worth the 90 minutes. I'm going to watch it. I've started watching it already. Um, your account on your your account on your podcast brought it all back. There he goes. He just I just put it up on Twitter the other day, and he stumbled across it. He's not he said he's not big on social media or anything like that. And he stumbled across the the thing I shared, and he had listened to it. And um, thanks, Shane. Nice one. That kind of makes me feel a bit better. You know, you're better off talking about these things, getting them out. It's a bit of a it's re- it's a bit of resolution. It's you know I've kind of not. I feel better. I feel lighter. And uh, I suggested that we might get back together again for the thirty fifth. I think it would be thirty fifth year anniversary. That's scary, isn't it? We were only childers. Anyway, that's that. Um, I will. I won't talk too much. I'll have a little bit of a chat, which is after this conversation between me and my friend Mike. He's in Clare. I'm here in Clare. And uh, we used to work together, but uh, we chat every Monday for a podcast. Who know? I don't know why. Just I like it. I like talking to him. And we've been—he's been my lockdown outside my family. He's been my lockdown rock, right? Rock down lock. And we had a very interesting rambling conversation. I have to apologise to Mike because we chatted on Saturday, day before yesterday. I forgot to press record, so I had to get him back on Sunday. We recorded a completely different conversation, so that one has gone into the into the air, into the atmos, into the whatever the ether. 
Um, we'll never talk. Well, we we still have those stories in the back pocket, and Mike had some great stories about some people that he worked with in, in the hotel, especially an Argentinian guy who got the job as um, luggage porter, but was basically refused to carry people carry people's bags because he was above it. So we'll get to all that again. Anyway, this is a good rambly chat about Mike and his his connection to Limerick and his family and all that. It was absolutely fascinating. And I also told a story about me going to Mexico uh, with my wife and a friend. Uh, so thank you. And if that friend is listening, <laughs> thanks for... I hope you're okay with me sharing the story. I think it was, it was a good story. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Enjoy. It is episode 90. It's episode 90. I've made 90 podcasts. Episode 90 of the Keith Walsh podcast. Um, there should be a fanfare, but there's not. I just have to say, without further ado, it's episode 90 of me talking to my friend, Mike. Enjoy. I'll tell you, you, meet, you, you, you join me as I'm an emotional wreck this morning. Why? I don't know why I did it. I just watched... Um, I, th- I think I just sent you a text. I just watched Elbow live at the BBC, the one they did with the big concert orchestra, mm. doing one day like this a year. It's the drummer that gets me all the time. He starts crying. The The immensity of the music is just so overpowering. He, can't, he just can't keep his shit together. He's kind of licking his lips and some fucking tears coming out and he's fucking trying to hit the drum. And it's just, every time they pan to him, I kind of go, oh, I just feel the emotion coming. Wow. And... I woke up about two o'clock this morning. I actually, I actually said to Sally, should I mention this on the podcast? Um, sorry, we seem to have delved straight into it. Let's now. go. Hey, let's go. Yeah. So I said to her, listen, should I mention this? on?" The-? She said, it is a safe space. I said, well, I don't know, bollocks. You've been listening to too much of his shit. <laughs> and I said, uh, I woke up crying this morning from a dream. Like fucking crying. I've never ever done that before and being aware of the fact that I was crying I I dreamt that somebody very close to me died and I couldn't do anything to help them or save them and I was trying to tell people I'm sure if there's people out there who know all about dreams this is a classic anxiety or whatever or something um but I I woke up and I was just like a baby crying like a baby I'm not a big crier I do get like mosh but um, I, you know, I'm not a huge crier. Um, but yeah, fucking sobbing, you know. And uh, and it was drawn to my grandmother, who is the oracle in my my life of dreams. She would always say, "I'm drawn to actually my grandmother and my auntie." My grandmother was Nora, and she named her daughter Nora, but everybody called her Nancy. Nancy was a fucking head the ball, brilliant laugh, um, absolutely fantastic woman. But my grandmother would always say, "Reverse the dream." reverse the dream so if somebody dies it means somebody's going to be born if somebody you know if it's dark it's going to be light if it's blah 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 reverse the dream and my auntie nancy took that one step further she liked the old ggs so she would reverse the dream and then spend the day looking through the racing pages of the paper going you know he's been dreaming about death now and it would be the life of Mike. Oh, we've got to put a tenor on this. And that's the only way she did her gambling was literally by names and reversing dreams. And every once in a while she'd turn up and she lived in London, Slough, like we did. 
every time she turn up with her six kids and say, listen to my mother, would you look after these lads? <laughs> I've just won 300 quid on the bingo. I'm going back on the, on the horses. I'm going back to Ireland for a week. See ya. She was fucking brilliant. And was she yeah. just like head off to Ireland and... Yeah, go and see her mother and just go on the tear for a week. She was... Um, I'll never forget, I, I travelled the world for a year in 1991 um, before, before I met you. We got a cheap ticket going around the world when the uh, the the Iran the yeah it was the Iraq Iran war that one kicked mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. Kuwait it was the Kuwait when the you know we, we turned left at Baghdad that one and I went to um, oh fuck STA travel in Kensington yeah in a hotel and I said listen what's the score she said the woman behind the desk said round the world tickets fucking dirt cheap nobody wants to travel I went right. We'll have two of them. Thank you very much. I got a round the world ticket for five hundred quid. Wow! But anyway, I, uh, I I digress. I came back from my travels, hadn't a pot to piss in, and uh, my 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 buddy was getting married in Shannon, and uh, he'd invited me, and it was sort of mid January, and I had no money, no job, no nothing, and uh, I had a lovely suntan. <laughs> I had to borrow my brother's suit. I had to get one of the very early Ryanair uh, aircraft over and the seats were back to back. So it was like fucking, you know, when I remember actually the trip home, I was green, almost like sick. And as we were taking off, I had my back to the, the you know, the, the camera. No. And, and there was this like row of nuns look facing me and I thought fuck it any minute now I'm gonna puke all over these women <laughs> this steep ascent I'm like where's the sick bag because there's nothing in front of you it was just like oh fuck I'm gonna make fun just gonna spray the nuns <laughs> yeah but but anyway uh I got to the airport to go out and I'd managed to as I say get a loan of a suit I must have got a loan of a quick couple of quid off my brothers or whatever or I don't know who, I don't know how I managed to finance this thing, because I said literally no money. And um, get to the airport, and there's a bar in the airport, and my auntie Nancy is in the bar, right? And she's singing to this crowd of men. She's singing these old limerick, limerick, you're my lady, and all these men are like, la, 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 la. It was like going into a nursing home and watching somebody sort of do, you know, do their trick. And uh, they'd all obviously bought her a drink and she hadn't got a pot to piss in either. So I walked in the door, literally, I haven't seen this woman for a good two years, I'd say. I walked in the door and she said, here's my nephew, Michael, who'll buy you all a drink. (laughs) And whatever fucking money I had, I had to spend it on these fucking strangers. Yeah, she fleeced me for about 25 pounds, I think, which was an awful lot of money at the time to buy these fuckers a drink. And worse still, I... I then I sat next to her on the flat plane going over. She didn't know, obviously, my parents, I was going to surprise them. They didn't know I was coming back to Ireland. They'd heard a rumour that I might be back for the wedding, but I sort of phoned them and said, listen, I won't be, I don't have any money. And I thought, I'll just, I'll get to Shannon, hitch into Limerick, and then, you know, go and see them and whatever. And, hey, I'm back. You know, I've seen them. And, uh, of course, my auntie Nancy had rang ahead and said, listen, got my dad to pick her up. And Auntie Nancy is as pissed as a fucking fart at this stage. We get into Shannon Arrivals Hall and uh, there's no there's luggage going around. I only had a little thing, suit carrier. 
and there's a bag going around on the carousel and she's going that's not my bag that's not my bag the fuckers have lost my bag they're always losing my bag and i said there's a yellow ribbon tied around that no 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 we tried the yellow ribbon trick. It didn't work. I didn't. I didn't remember it because she lost her luggage all the time, right? And the kids, her, one of her daughters, Jane, said, "Always tie a yellow ribbon. You remember the song? Tie a yellow ribbon round your suitcase, ma'am." So she's there, and this fucking this case is going round and round and round and round and round, and she gets the ass and just fuck this. I'm out of here. So she left, and I said, "Well, I'll go and have a chat with the the baggage handling people and see whether I can find it or not." So she goes into the arrivals hall, meets my father, completely fucking forgets about me, and drives off to Limerick without me. <laughs> to fucking hitch back in. With her, with her bag? Yeah, with her fucking bag. And they gave it to me. I said, that's, that's got to be her bag. Yeah, And the woman's there going, sure nobody else is like you. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Good old days. <laughs> wow. Um, and she fucked off in the car with your dad. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 did she not mention that you were there? Not, not in the slightest. She's like, right, all I can see is Hassett's Bar in Limerick. That's all that was on her mind at this point was like, right, we're going out in the town tonight. It's early enough. Bang, off we go. Jesus. Fucking left me there. Yeah. What a legend. That's mad. She is a legend. And in fact, her brother, my uncle Christy, um, famously came through. Uh, Shannon Airport with a bag one day and uh, he, he'd come from Bristol over to it was first time flying to, to Limerick, to Shannon and my dad, we were all there, you know Uncle Christy, we'd never seen him, he's coming over wow, it's going to be huge, it's going to be, you know there's, there's, there's a chance that man is going to bring us presents and we were all over him like a fucking rash Yeah. and uh, he walks out through the uh, arrivals hall with a big bag and we're thinking, oh, that mother is loaded with stuff <laughs> It's got to be a big, like, for some reason, we used to get people who came from England to bring a big, big bottle of ketchup because you could okay. get the big ones. I don't know. And uh, he walked in and uh, my dad said, listen, I'll take the bag off you there, Christy, out to the car, whatever. And my Uncle Christy said, there's nothing in it. <laughs> and my dad said, no, 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 give me the bag. And my dad lifted it. And it's like, there's nothing in that bag. There's nothing in the bag, Christy. No, he said, um, uh, I always watch it on the television. People bring luggage. <laughs> He didn't fucking bring anything. He was just coming for the weekend. That was it. What, you didn't know? <laughs> you just brought a bag. And a pair of jocks. Off he <laughs> oh, fuck it up. <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. I bought my round the world ticket. We were, that was why I was working. Oh, no, the second time you weren't there when I went back to work in juries, the second time with my now wife, Suzanne, we went, we were about to go traveling. And the plan was to get the fuck out of Dublin because we were doing nothing in Dublin. Like we were partying. We had a year of just mm. going out every weekend. And the only way of breaking the cycle was to leave Dublin and leave all our friends and leave all the people we knew in that scene. So we just went to London and like, literally we decided we were going, told the landlord something terrible had happened we just le- we just left got enough had enough money to get flights over there stay with a friend and i rang uh i rang brian murphy and i said what's the story and uh he just he, he didn't have a job for me straight away but someone was leaving so he, he would have a job for me in like a month or something so i just went over and i probably did i tell you i worked in the 
the the laundry downstairs. down the, in the laundry for a month until the until the place. But anyway, so that was that was we went to London, worked there to save the money to go traveling around the world. And I think our yeah, I think it was like one thousand five hundred or something. But uh, yeah, I, we we got a ticket. Go on. I am. Um, <laughs> I'm not great at saving money here. <laughs> no shit. And like, I mean, what you get paid from the from the hotel isn't huge every month. Like, you know, it wasn't great money to oh, pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get your tips, which which would be more than your pay. Mm. Um, you probably like quadrupled your pay in tips or something. <laughs> um. But, Su- but Suzanne kept asking me like how much I'd saved for the round the world ticket, you know. And I was like, oh, got a few quid, you know. I was just like living a day to day, literally living day to day, spending, kind of thinking that my that my wages were going in. I wasn't touching them, so, you know, imagining that I was living off my tips or whatever. Oh no! And then one one day she insisted that I that she, that I take her to the bank machine and show her the balance. Oh, shit. And I was like, I've got like 200 pounds or something. We were oh. supposed, and I don't know what we, we paid a little bit off, but I had, I had fuck all say, but I kept, but I kept thinking I'll, I'll make, like, I'll make it, you know, I'll put all my tips in this week and I won't spend my wages, you know, but I was like mm-hmm. going out drinking, like, you know, it was, I wasn't living the, I was supposed to be not doing much and saving money to go traveling. But uh, yeah, she marched me up to the cash machine and I, <laughs> I had like maybe 200 pounds in it but i was like no 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 i was like no no it's 400 because of a 200 pound overdraft <laughs> so actually i've saved 400 she was, like, she was like you haven't saved 400 you've saved 200 yeah but the overdraft is 200 so i'll be able to get 400 out <laughs> and uh oh man she was so pissed off like so she was the reason i mean i she made me get my shit together. She was the reason we went traveling really i would have been just talking about it she really kind yeah, of yeah she kind of got our shit together to make it happen and make us buy the tickets and all that. But uh, it was, uh, but coming, I don't know if I ever t- told you coming home, we no. went, we came back via America and then a friend of ours suggested we go to Mexico. Nice. Um, but I didn't want to go to Mexico because we only had a certain amount of money left. And to go to Mexico would mean that, especially if we brought our friend who said, he said, look, I don't have any money. But you guys have money. Let's all go to Mexico. I'm expecting I'm expecting money from my mother. So when we get back to Mexico, the money from my mother will be there. And I can just give you the money back. And I was like, no. I know this friend and I know him and I love him dearly. And I know him a long time. But I did not trust this story. Yes. But I didn't want to be the dry shag. I was like, son, I don't. Look, this is not going to happen the way. Mm-hmm. He thinks think it's, he happen. thinks it's going to happen, there. or you know, this is like I I kind of believe that he almost believed it. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> I was like, look, guys, this is not going to happen. You know, so look, I didn't want to be the and and I suppose Zam was like, look, we, we're never going to be in this position again. You know, let's just take a chance, see what happens. So anyway, we went to Mexico. I had to go to downtown LA to get the bus, and I was in Los Angeles recently. Downtown LA is it's still a shithole, like it's tent city, but like yeah. there's parts of it that are there's it's starting to like there's hipster areas and you know starting to come come around. But downtown LA was a no-go area for, for white people. My friend Peter is six foot three and has red hair. 
downtown LA it was just Hispanics and black people and you know drop down and outs and you know if you if, if you were white you were so dirty you wouldn't know anyway and you had a big it was people with beards and like layers of clothes and you know a trolley full of bags and but like, we, 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 like Peter walking well have just had a Peter walking Peter bag. walking in the street but it was funny because he was like a, it was like a celebrity they were like man look at that dude man they were like they couldn't fucking believe it. They were, they actually were fucking like, they were laughing. Like just people walking on their own would just stop and point at him and start laughing. They go, what the fuck, man? He was like, people almost asked him for directions. Like, you know, uh, a bum on the, a bum on the sidewalk, you know, yeah. check, looking at Peter, looking at his bottle. <laughs> God, this shit is good, man. Or, or throwing the bottle away. Go, I ain't never fucking drink it again, man. The fuck is that? What am I seeing? We went to, yeah, we had to go. To, anyway, so we we went and got the bus, a Greyhound or something, to Mexico. Yeah, and yeah. Ha, had a good time in Mexico. Stayed in a tent. Couldn't find a campsite, so we pitched our tent on concrete in a camp in a camping area that was basically for caravans and, and motorhomes. But we didn't know. We just arrived up with our tent. <laughs> this is another one of Peter's great ideas. He was like, there's a great camp spot. It's a great surf, surfing spot. Like it's called K97 or something. It's 97 kilometers from the border. And <laughs> it was K97. Yeah, there's camping there. There's surfing. It's fucking cool. We arrive. It's just it's like, yes, it is an area that surfers drive to and stay in their motor homes and do a bit of surfing. And then move, there was fuck all else there. So we stayed in this patch of cement with our tent, like fucking literally lying on the cement trying to sleep. Um, I think we, we might have had sleeping bags. But we were right beside a hotel. So Peter comes back one day to us and he goes, it's a fucking, we didn't know where we were. What like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we got off the bus. Like we just told yeah, the bus yeah. driver K97 and he just dropped us off. We were fucking in the middle of nowhere. But he discovered a, a hotel and it was a five-star hotel. Like just up the rocks. Mm. Like there was an entrance on the road. But if you if we from our cement campsite went down the rocks a bit. <laughs> Down the rocks a bit and over, not not quite onto the beach, but over the rocks and then back up again. We were in the in into the back of a hotel because they had their oh, own man. little sort of residence way down onto the beach. So we every day we just like we just stayed in Mexico. We just stayed there, slept on concrete, and then every day we'd go down into the five star hotel, into the jacuzzi, and ordering big fucking jugs of margarita. Uh, like, and we just that was like we basically kind of did that for three days and then i think we ran out of money even at that but we had a big we had a slab of beer and we were trying to get money so we these american girls had come down they were going surfing and we were trying to get them to give us money for this slab of beer and like we'd no lift we'd no money to get back to america at this stage so all our money was gone on margaritas in the five-star hotel <laughs> i don't even know if we ate any food oh there was a taco there was a taco truck on the road and he used to sell tacos for a dollar. So we had like those three times a day. But anyway, we, we had to hitchhike back to, into Los Angeles, but we got a lift from this fucking like really old American style Chevy or something like, you know, these big monster yeah, yeah, yeah. cars. There was a couple like driving it roof down. She was like wearing a scarf on her head that was sort of blown in the wind. He was like one of these like actor dudes, you know, fucking sunglasses on, fucking really good looking. Like Grace really, Kelly. Yeah, 
it's a really cool car they pull in the three of us sitting in the back <laughs> looking you know of a convertible arriving into los angeles so we like we had the perfect view of wherever we were i don't know san really? diego whatever on the way um san i don't know what fucking way we went but it was like it was it was like something from a movie and they were so sound and they were like we were just chatting to them they drove us back into los angeles and then so we arrived back in the sand. Peter never got the money. It never arrived. No, we ended up having to ask another friend of Peter's that we kind of knew because she was Irish for a loan of money, which I, to this day, I don't think we've ever given back to her. But, he, but Peter was like, no, I'll give you the money when my mother's money arrives. So I don't know if she ever got the money. <laughs> but we just got enough money to get to London. And our, our ticket home from London to Ireland wasn't a flight. It was a ferry. So... We got to London and our feckin' money ran out. That was it. We had enough money to get to London and we had a ferry ticket still from a return ferry ticket. I think we did. Can't remember. Or we were going to get to a friend's house. She lived in Muswell Hill. She was going to give us literally the 20 pounds. I think it was a little bit 20 pounds each to go to, uh, to, get, to, get, to get to Ireland on the ferry and the bus. But we were stuck in London with zero money. We had to act, start asking people in the tube station for money to get to get the tube to go to our friends to borrow money to get home. Like we were, we were, I, we were in London. I was like, it was so. I think I found it so sort of stressful not having money and knowing that when we got to London, the money's going to be gone, and we had no money to eat. Like we were just just sat on that plane for twiddling our thumbs. I probably slept a little bit, and then uh, yeah, we just arrived in and. We had we'd no money for the tube, so I was literally asking people. I was explaining to people. I was going, "Look, we're not. I'm not like, I'm not a normal. I'm not one of those people." But you know, that's what they all say. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a lower class hobo. Yeah, I'm like, I'm quite well to do. I'm, yeah. I just, we, well, I was kind of saying we just need to get home. We're stuck in London and we don't have any money. So anyway, we ended up getting a few pounds, getting the tube to our friends, and then she gave us a few quid to get us home. But uh, and how did you get to the ferry? Did you get a uh, uh, a bus or a so, train? So, yeah, so we just had to get to Victoria, and the ticket from Victoria would include includes the bus, so something like twenty pounds for the bus yeah. and the ferry, and uh, so we just had to get to Victoria the next day with our friend's money, forty pounds she gave us, and then um, to get home. But there was nothing worse than that feeling being in the tube station in London, having travelled all around the world: Thailand, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, and we were so close to Ireland. I know, and we were, we were so far mm-hmm. away. We had no money, and I was like, "We're never. How the fuck are we going to get home?" And all you want to do at that stage is, you know, rightly or wrongly, is just get home. Um, because you know this human psyche is like, once you're on the way home, that's all you want to do. Whereas yeah. I should have just tried to relax and enjoy it. But Mexico, like, I mean, the funny thing is, like, we look back now and we're we have so many laughs and stories from that those few days in Mexico. And you know, we were drinking margaritas in a five star hotel. We got to lift back in a cool car, and we met these. We, like you know we just shit happened and it was ultimately it was kind of shit and i remember thinking we shouldn't have fucking at the time we shouldn't mm. have gone to fucking mexico i was right we should have kept the money but um but it just goes to prove though you don't need all this money you know um and it, it's funny because um during 2008 when everybody was leaving ireland to go to australia because they couldn't get any jobs here and all this sort of stuff you know mm. um it, it just shows the difference in sort of 20 years because a lot of those people, they were going like, yeah, I've got no job. I've got to go to, I'm going to Australia. I've got a buddy of mine who's going to get me a job on a building site, blah, blah, blah. 
but I'm going to have two weeks in Thailand in a four-star resort on the way over. <laughs> like, fucking hell. I mean, when I when we travelled, and we, I mean, I came to London with, I think, £22. I got that, the Slattery's bus. Yeah. Um, from Limerick. To, to, it takes like, like 30 hours to get to Victoria. And there were there were people crying on it. I mean, it's awful. It was just like, you know, you could pick anybody on that bus and the sob story was worse than the next. And, you know, nobody had any money. Nobody had anything. And you sort of, you deposited at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning in the middle of London where there's no tube, nothing back in those days. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck, this is the wilderness. What the fuck have I done? I've left home for this. Yeah. yeah and it, there is that like sort of those bad times. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I'm, I'm sure kids still do that. Like, you know, uh, arrive somewhere with no money. But but yeah, it just seems like seems like those times are gone for good, you know. And it was, yeah. I think it was a, a, an interest. It was a special time because men went over. Irishmen went over to England and they had to work because they had to get a job in the buildings with, you know, it's, I mean, it's not far off your story kind of, but they had to send money back to the family and they would have been, you would have had men over there working the buildings, living in a shitty little flat. Actually, mm. this is exactly your story. Um, trying to send money home to the, to the family in Clare and try not to try not to drink all the money. And just but but drinking because they're so fucking lonely because they're in London and they probably don't really have any friends, but they have to pretend. Do you ever do you ever see the Butcher mm. Boy, the film The Butcher Boy from the book? No. From the book, um Frank Pig says says something anyway. Uh it's a brilliant film, but they talk about Uncle Allo who's over in London. And of course, Uncle Allo is over in London doing a shitty job with no money, and you know, he's there's you know. He's supposed to be coming home and he's supposed to have three men under him and all this kind of stuff. But it was typical, a typical Irish story of the man over London pretending he did a great job and then coming home and wearing a suit, you know, the same suit for the whole mm. weekend to impress everybody, but like literally just being sort of an alcoholic and nobody really, yeah. nobody really uh, believed him in his story. But, uh, but when, when you went over and when I went over, it was a bit more adventurous. We'd know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't sending money home. No, but exactly. I certainly I got to the stage where my parents weren't really into fucking supporting me, yeah. you know, anymore. That you know, that it wasn't poor, poor, but you know, I was a strain on the household. So yeah. if I wasn't pulling my weight at the age of 21, it was like fuck off, sunshine. You know, and my father would have been very good at that, sort of, you know, ta don't let the door hit your ass on the way out, you know. Best of luck. <laughs> good luck yeah yeah don't you know as my my dad said don't go on the building sites they're shit because he did it all of his life and my mother said don't go into hotels because they're shit and what did i do went straight into a building site then i got sacked from a building site and ended up in a hotel (laughs) but the uh but because but we didn't have the money we kind of had to go and then we had to fend for ourselves we had to get a shitty job or we had to do this Mm. or we had to whatever Whereas you kind of feel like that, you know, so it was a more of a, 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 a there was a, an, a more of a sense of an adventure to it. Whereas the generation before, there was, it was a sense of misery, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, like a lot for, of times they would say goodbye to the people at home and that was it. I'd never mm, see him again. Yeah. Yeah. One of my uncles did that. He had a, an argument with my grandmother, walked off up the hill. I'm off up to buy a box of matches. Just fucked off. They never saw him again. 
had to, wow. put, uh, he had to put out a, a, a thing on um, BBC Radio 2. Um, used to do a, a shout out to people who were missing in the 80s. Um, and it would be Irish and it would be, you know, if you know anyone in Australia, if you know anybody, this, this, this is his name. He went by this. He went by that. He went by the other. Yeah. And we, we had two uncles, actually, that just fucked off. Wow. They, went, they walked to Limerick Docks and got on boats and that was it. And did they ever come back? One of them, uh, one of them did. My uncle Christy came back quite a lot. Um, my uncle Paddy had to, they had to, where are you now? It was called on BBC Radio 2. And they had to put out a thing. Uh, for my grandmother's 80th birthday and uncle paddy turns up and uh, my uncle mike who was a very funny man his brother when he met paddy for the first time in like 50 years said jesus paddy we thought you'd we, we'd all thought you'd gone ashore that's a that's that's their term for somebody dying all right wow yeah we'd all we'd all thought you'd gone ashore paddy <laughs> gone ashore no i haven't gone ashore i've got a wife and three children and it was like literally they'd never been apart. They just got straight back into it. Fifty uh, yeah. years. Fifty years. Yeah. That's mad. And he just went off and just started his own life and just was doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. There was ten or eleven in my mum's family. Nine or ten or eleven. I can't. Anyway, there's quite a lot of them. Um, and yeah, my uncle Jerry then went into the the army and then went into the English army and then. Um, he was the maddest of them all. He was like, he, he left everybody else standing. He was brilliant. Um, I said to him, what were you doing? He said, I was in the Merchant Navy. And uh, he said, I, I was pearl diving. And I said, wow, you know, such an exotic job to be doing. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, I used to do the washing up for the posh people. <laughs> so hoping they'd drop their fucking jewellery. <laughs> <laughs> What a great image! <laughs> just, just in his, just in his tidy, just in his tidy whiteies, all tanned, yeah. mus muscular. Your uncle diving down for pearls, and yeah. that's his job. <laughs> and the same fella, he, he got a job on a banana boat to Jamaica. I mean, this is like fucking the fifties. I'm going to say late forties, early fifties. And yeah, he got a job on a banana boat. He went off on a fucking banana boat. He was he was a coal stoker on a banana boat. No. So all he did was 12 on, 12 off, coal, 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 coal. Two lads shoveling coal into a fucking into a big fucking engine. Wow. And um, yeah, got to um Jamaica or wherever to pick up the bananas, put his head up, saw all these black faces and thought, fuck me, I'm not going out there. I don't know what's going on here, and stayed in the hold of the ship for three days while they while they filled up with bananas. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> he went all the way to Jamaica and didn't get out. <laughs> I think you'd like you just stay in the car. It's like going to fucking Taylor Park <laughs> and just sitting in the. <laughs> I just wait in the car, lads. Oh. Have a good time. <laughs> Jamaica. Oh, yeah. you want to go out and see Jamaica? Ah, no. <laughs> I'll read me book. <laughs> it's funny because my my uncle Paddy, um, the guy who you know gone off for a box of matches and never came back, who did eventually come back. He was in school with Frank McCourt. Um, no way, um, yeah, Ashes, yeah, 
Yeah, I've never, never told you my Frank McCord story. No, come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so my my, my grandmother would have known the McCords, right? And um, my my uncle Paddy went to school with Frank, Frankie. And um, when, when the book came out and whatever, they were looking for people who were featured in the book. And all of a sudden, somebody was watching Channel 4 News one night, and there's my uncle Paddy. And he's going, yes, uh, he, he refers to me on page 174, 100, and none of us had read the book. And we're going, fucking hell. And he talks about a boy. There was only one boy worse off than me in school. And it was Paddy Clawsey. And that's my uncle that he's talking about. No way. Yeah, there's a scene about my grandfather having pleurisy in the book as well. Um, so they knew each other very well. And uh, my mother, my grandmother would have known Frank's family, you know? Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of controversy when that book came out in Limerick. There were a lot of people sort of saying, yeah, oh, that, that's wrong. It didn't happen like that and whatever. You're painting and, Limerick in a, in a certain light or something. Mm. You're making us all look bad. But that's an Irish thing, though, isn't it? Like, oh, don't be fucking telling the truth. Absolutely. And and my grandmother was like, but she says Frankie had a had job. Frankie was delivering um, meat for one of the butchers in town or whatever. Mm. Frank was pretty much supporting his family. So he had, they were kind of like working class. Whereas my lot, a lot of You were like, you were like, them lot, they were fucking loaded. Yeah, we were, we should have written the book of misery. That's exactly it. You know, my two of my, my uncle uh, Paddy and my uncle Jerry were both sent to Glynn for stealing apples, a boys' college thing. No way. Yeah, eight years. What? From the age of eight to 16. Fuck off. Effectively to prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who were these, which uncles? Paddy and Jerry. So is Paddy the one that legged it? Yep. Yeah, no yeah, wonder. No wonder, yeah. And, and I mean, Jerry went straight into the English army at that point. Fucking hell. Yeah, he went to England, changed his name, and sort of like, fuck, I'm not having anything to do with that anymore. I mean, they were, there was all sorts of, Glynn was infamous for its abusive behavior. And he, he used to tell stories about the parade ring because he used to get sent home for two weeks during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would put them in clean clothes to send them home. Of course. You know, the, the other 50 weeks of the year, they were, they were sort of scrambling around and eating, you know, bread with, that was soaked in milk um, and vinegar and stuff. So it wouldn't go off. And I mean, he just tells of appalling stuff. And there, there was this priest who used to get a gramophone out and it was he was playing songs like Hurry Home and all these like 1940s and 50s songs, you know, about, you know, um, come back to us and all these songs. And it was just fucking mental torture, you know, literal. Um, yeah. yeah. And my grandmother couldn't afford to get them out of prison effectively. Fuck. Yeah, it was a penny, penny for the judge. And she just didn't have it, you know. Yeah, so, and, so where are your fa- your family from? Limerick, Limerick, like yeah, 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 yeah city, yeah. yep, uh, and probably uh, lived in uh, what do they call them? Oh, tenements, yeah, tenements, yeah, yeah. They lived in a place called Arthur's Key. Um, no, like open sewers, the whole lot. Wow. Uh, my mother was born at home. My my grandmother, uh, again, famously famous quotes from my grandmother's deathbed. She 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 pretty much died every year around the time that everybody was coming on holidays. So she'd end up in hospital and uh, there'd be big, huge gatherings around the hospital bed and everybody would be getting the last rites and this, that and the other. And all of a sudden she'd make a miraculous recovery <laughs> and be in Hassett's pub two days later, <clears throat> singing songs and telling stories. But uh, when she was very, very old and in a home, I said, uh, 
I went into her and I said, uh, Mom, I hear Frank, Frankie's doing well with the book. And she said, how many copies has he sold? They were like, everybody was obsessed with how many copies of the book. Yeah. And my mother had said, listen, I'm not going to see your grandmother today. You go and spend a couple of hours with her. She'd like a, another face. You know, I, I was back from London and I went in to see her. And I said, Fra Frankie, uh, he sold a few more books. How many books has he sold? I said, seven million. Jesus, she said. And that little fella telling stories. Oh. And, uh, and, and she said, uh, I'm going to write a book. And I said to her, what are you going to call it? She said, Frank McCord had it fucking easy. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had a fucking torrid time. Her husband, my grandfather, was a, I don't know whether he was a polygamist or a, what's the other word when you have two wives? Uh, yeah, big, a bigamist. Big, bigamist. Bigamy, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had another family. <clears throat> and I think his other wife died and his other children were taken on by sort of her sisters and stuff. Uh, he was uh, he was in the army and he was considerably older than my grandmother. And he came to Limerick Barracks and um, he was a boxer and uh, he actually never married my grandmother, but had all these kids. And he actually won the British heavyweight boxing champion. Okay, now. He beat um, Bombardier Wells. You know, the, the, uh, did you ever see the Rank Organization films? And there's a guy with a big bong. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a guy called Tommy Bombardier Wells. That, he's, he's a, he's a, a, he was a famous boxer. Queensbury rules, sort of bare knuckle sort of thing. And yeah, my, my grandfather beat the shit out of him twice in India. <laughs> of course, a raving alcoholic and just fucking spent all the money. So never sent any home or anything. So my grandmother was left pretty much to rear these kids on her own in Limerick in a tenement. How did your grandfather get, to, did you say India? Yeah, he was in India. He was in the Boer War. He was in, I mean, he was very old compared to my mother. So he would have been, my grandmother was born in 1904. And when they met in the late thirties, I'm going to say he was probably 60. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dirty old bastard. So he was just a sort of a yeah. man about town, lad, fighter, boxer, do whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Drinker, Jesus. Yeah, and, in, in, and my grandmother, my grandmother said to me, he, he, he was named, he was known as neighbor, neighbor Clausy. Why? And, um, I don't know. Um, but I since I, I, I you probably heard of uh, 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 there's a housing estate in Limerick called the Island Field, Kings Island. The Island Field is one of the roughest estates in Limerick. Um, has been for a long time. And they would have lived just over the, the river from the, in another, not obviously not great part of town, um, in Thomagate and Killeely and stuff like that. Really, you know, um, down at heel places yeah. where people were just thrown out of the tenements and into these kind of newish builds. And um, yeah, there was, a, there was a saying around Limerick at the time um, uh, that look after that child there. He's a neighbor's child. So everybody would look after their own neighbor's child, you know, keep an eye out of it. Yeah. And I remember an old boy once telling me, he said, I knew your grandfather, he said. And he said, everyone else, he said, you'd look after the neighbor's child, he said. But if one of your uncles or aunts were around or your mother, um, you'd literally hold on to her for dear life. Because if anything happened to them, they were a child of neighbors, not a neighbor's child. So, yeah, he was neighbor Clausy. I don't know why he got this nickname, but everybody had a nickname back then. Right. Yeah. 
So explain that to me, what you're saying about your, if your aunt came around or any of your uncles right, uh, came around. Yeah, they, so they, they'd go feral, you know? Like, yeah. So, so they were just kind of wandering around being fed by other people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 And being looked after. And some people you could kind of shoo them out of the house if they yeah. were looking for food, but you wouldn't shoo my lot out because my grandfather obviously was quick with the old fists. Ah, so if they came to the house, you just hold on to them. They'd stay there yeah, for a few, because obviously they bit. couldn't go home. You'd look after them. All right. Yeah, put them in a case and throw sugar at them, because your, your dead father finds out that, you know, we've been uh, acting the bollocks with these kids. There's, there's going to be people flying, you know? Wow. Yeah, he was, um, and he was, he was also, he was attacked by the, uh, the real IRA, because he got a job in the British Army. Um, and he came back on leave and he was uh, trying to get a job down the docks and the docks were run by the, would have been the IRB, IRA sort of yeah, thing, you yeah. know, back in those days. And they were saying, listen, you know, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. You've been in the English army. You've taken the Queen's shilling. We don't want anything to do with you. And my grandmother tells this story that six of them set upon him one night and uh, down in the docks. And she said, only for the River Shannon, the six of them would still be rolling down the road. <laughs> he pelted two of them into the Shannon. No way. <laughs> fucking hell. Jesus, Mike. Dealing with the next time you fucking, yeah. I won't start any fights with you. I don't know where Mike. that's all come from. No, no, no. I'm, no. I'm not. I, you see, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I don't know where I'll get, but I think, it, I feel like it all stemmed from that dream you had and you woke up crying. Maybe that was some sort of release maybe yeah you know and then you're like yeah it's unblocked something there mike maybe that's yeah. your maybe that's the story you need to be writing is mccord had it fucking maybe easy the, this, well, yeah. the frank mccord had it fucking easy that's the 96 year old woman that's the fucking book fucking you want to you want to write or even that's that is a, that's a fantastic <laughs> short story though like and a great ending your your grandmother mm. saying and I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book and call it Frank McCourt had it fucking easy. <laughs> the, the, yeah, should, basically, we what should I, write that together. Mike, the, the universe has given you your story. That's what happened. That was why you're, you're feeling so emotional yeah. today. Yeah. I Be- because yeah, I was thinking, because I was thinking when I was um, telling you the story about Mexico, my friend, I was thinking, that's a fucking great story. Yeah, that's, it is that, a great story. There's, I, I, and I could be delusioned, but I'm like, that, that'd be a great film script, wouldn't it? Do you know, I was thinking exactly the same, right? Because it's the picture of you coming back with that lady with the head scarf on and it flowing in the back and you're all sort of kind of, ha, ha, and you could shoot it in sort of sepia tones, you know? Yeah. Just kind of wash the kind of colour, make it that really blue sea and that sort of dusky sky. And yeah, yeah. you could do the road trip, you know? Oh, yeah. Downtown, yeah. You, you can imagine the scene in downtown LA and... 1993 or four or five. Yeah. Tell you. Load of lads who are like stuck in Vietnam going, look at the guy there with a red fucking air, man. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen colors like that since napalm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, People thinking they're tripping, looking at Peter, but uh, we should, we should tell people that this is our second recording or second go at this. uh, Cause I messed up yesterday. Yeah, and it was a great one we had yesterday. 
I thought it was probably our best podcast ever. <laughs> and then I said to you at the end, uh, what, what, uh, you know, have you stopped recording now? And like, oh, fuck it. Hadn't even pressed record. It's worth it. Hadn't even pressed record. And, and so far in this one, we haven't spoken about anything we spoke about uh, yesterday, which is fantastic. No. We still have all those stories in the bag. Um, Mike, can you tell me about Easter Sunday? What's this going to mean to you? Because I think people would be interested in to, in, uh, in knowing what you're going to do or uh, vis-a-vis the chocolate situation. Well, there is a chocolate situation. Um, we have a son who is passionately fond of Ferrero Rocher. Okay. So in, instead of getting him an Easter egg, I bought him one of the big Ferrero Rocher things. Nice. Um have you got uh, have you got a fair uh, Russia tray or a triangle or an egg shape? Oh, it's, it's the tray. Lovely. Yeah, the big tray. Sort of like 30 odd bits of Ferrero Rocher in it. It's uh, funny because my, my uh, son would on. be similar. He'd go he'd he'd like a box of Ferrero Rocher at Christmas instead of something instead of uh, or uh, we got him today I got him a, a tray of toffee instead of an egg. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Toffee Jesus, I remember them. Oh, in the good old days. Last God. <laughs> so Jimmy got Jimmy got a tray for Russia. He did. He also got um because obviously uh normally, I mean he's old enough now that people shouldn't be buying him Easter eggs, but both grandparents have said, Listen, would you buy the fella an Easter egg on us? You know. So uh I did I bought him a couple of Easter eggs from them, you know, a couple of the old Cadbury's three for a fiver jobs so uh threw them at him as well and some pringles because he is passionately passionately he would sell his mother for a thing of pringles yeah so uh pringles so we went down savory and sweet route you know so what so what's the so what's yours now that's jimmy right what's your yeah. situation what's the scenario with you and the chocolate today are you going to have a day off uh yeah <laughs> I was avoiding me, you see. See the way yeah, I, did that? I just I deflected know. straight. You're like Enda Kenny on the late late show. Enda Kenny. So, Enda, do you do you like chocolate? Well, I tell you, my father had a chocolate coloured Labrador back in Mayo. Oh, Mayo is beautiful. Let me tell you about Mayo. And Mayo, the Gulf is great. The Gulf. Answer, answer the question, Mike. Answer the question. What's the okay. situation with you vis-a-vis the chocolate today, Mike? Okay, so. Um, I bought myself a um, Cadbury's cream egg egg and I bought Sally Ann a buttons egg and nice. uh, because nobody in my li- my family likes um, Cadbury's cream eggs. I also bought another Cadbury's cream egg egg and I'm thinking it was by mistake, but it's not really. You... They can share the chocolate out of it and I'll have the other egg. Okay, so you bought two eggs for yourself. And Sally Ann has, has a button's egg. Okay, that's yeah. cool. That's good. It's, I'm I'm happy to hear that you're going to have the day off. Yeah. What's the situation in your house? Oh well, um, I shouldn't. Yeah, we have some eggs here because my wife works in that industry where she sells things, and we have some leftover eggs. So there's so I don't know what's going to happen with them, but uh, keeping an eye on them. But yeah, I'm 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 looking at. Because I've been eating a bit of chocolate every evening and I'm trying to knock it on the head. So I'm so tomorrow's going to be my last hurrah. And then I'm going cold turkey like you after Christmas. I'm going to be doing my own. So I'm saying it out loud now. Today is my last day. And then I'm going, I'm going fruit shopping tomorrow morning. And then I'm going cold turkey with the chocolate and the, and the, and the actual 
the actual sugar sugar stay away from strawberries at the moment they just go they just go like moldy in about three seconds okay good good tip yeah i mean I, the, the, the thing is i'm gonna go for the grapes but there's bad they can be as bad with sugar but I, but i think uh i think watermelon is another uh, way to go and but i'm gonna start making to keep the craving away i'm gonna make some some smoothies like banana Banana. Everybody in my house. There's somebody in there. There's my house. My, they've all decided to come upstairs and have a conversation on the landing. Charlie op- Charlie came in, opened the door. So the door's open. There's a conversation on the landing. Bro, it was in Man's room. It was in your room. It was not the landing. Oh, no. What was in Man's room? Conversation. Oh, yeah. Will you? Conversation. Are you guys finished the conversation? We're just trying to record a podcast here. And FYI, it's Easter Sunday. I know it's Easter Sunday, but I made a fuck up yesterday, so now I have to do it again today. And um, Mike, they're saying hello to you. Hello, family back. I can't I can't see you because we've had to, uh... we've turned the cameras off so you can't see you. Yeah, because the internet is oh shit. Okay, see you then. We'll see you let... put some shoes on. Your clothes are so mighty. Me? I will put shoes on. I haven't even had a shower yet. Don't tell Mike though. Sorry, Mike. See you later, guys. Wait, the mic or no Mike is on the other end of the mic, and that's also a mic. So why are you saying sorry for the mic? Mike says he misses you. Go on, Scoot. Mike? Mike is. I'm talking to Mike. He's on. The, you can't see the camera because it's turned off. Well, how does he miss me? He just misses you because he just. That's just the thing he says. He knows me. Um. Okay. Well, I'll explain to you later. Okay. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. That was a little musical interlude brought to you oh, by yeah. my family. I don't even know what we're talking. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna eat some chocolate today and. Then yeah, we're uh, watermelon. Oh yeah, I'm gonna eat. Um, here I am. Where am I? I know where I am. Smoothies. So yes. banana and uh, oatmeal and almond milk and f- uh, frozen fruit smoothies. I'm gonna have them in the evening to sip on, so that I don't get too. You know, do you get that? Did you get that thing when you give up the sh- the the chocolate of the gum, the sore gums? Yes, you feel like your your gums are shrinking yeah. and your teeth are growing. It's like the moisture or whatever has been taken out. It's, it's a real craving. It's like cold turkey for heroin. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll give you a hint now. Mrs. Mrs. Marin has been cooking. We've done this all ass ways, right? Yeah. We we she didn't really start baking in the first one lockdown or the second. Yeah. But we saw something on the internet the other day, and it was a limerick bread, and. If you follow Sally Ann on whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it was like a kind of an easy to make a, a sourdough. Like sourdough, but easier to make, I think I saw it's her just, saying. It's like a perfect white loaf of bread. With just the right crispiness on the crust. Uh, it's made with a little bit of buttermilk. And it's just, it, I, honestly, never had anything like it. It is just sublime. But bread aside, that's not really a good thing because we just, we ate two loaves of bread yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to, I'm trying to eventually get away from all of the sugars even. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and this won't help you either, but what we do is we soak dates in water. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. A good, like a mug full of dates, a little mug full of dates in water, uh, in like a cereal bowl full of water. And then get a couple of spoonfuls of uh, crunchy peanut butter. Mm. And I know this is bad, right? But 
and then get some really, really, really super dark chocolate. Oh, okay. Put that into a mixer yeah. and make these little balls yeah. out of them. Those balls are like the old size of an old, let's say, a, an old two pence piece. Yeah. Sort of, you know, one and a half centimeters circle, whatever. Yeah. They just take the hit. They, they, they're so sweet. One of them with like a tangerine or something just gets rid of my craving lust for, for sugar. And it, you get these little bit, if you don't sort of like zuzz it down, you get these tiny little flecks of chocolate. And I mean, it's, it's tiny. You can make about 30 or 40 balls out of this mix. Mm. And it's really, really easy. And it's just divine. Okay. It's great to wean yourself off. You see, the problem with me is I'd make them and then eat 10 of them. I, I, I was like, honestly, I was like that. But now I have dried mango, dates, um, sultanas in a little bowl. And I'll have one of these balls and I'll have a little tangerine or an easy peeler, a couple of easy peelers or whatever. Lovely. And then about nine pints of lager. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask you, have you noticed a difference? Is it worth it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chocolate is a big thing for me. I would always, I've always, always had chocolate after lunch and after dinner. Always. Yeah. And now I don't. I never have it at lunchtime now. And I might have... I might have four squares every once in a while when the craving gets really, really bad. Yeah. But then you're, you're in control of it because you're going, I'm just having four squares. You're not just mindlessly eating. You're thinking about it. No, I don't I don't take the the the, the, the actual bar in with me anymore. Yeah. I take it out, put it into a piece of like tissue or a plate or something, and then like seal the thing up with a peg. Just like it's gone. Okay. And then you mindfully eat your chocolates. Mm, oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. Mm. I would eat a big. Do you know um the chocolate you get in Lidl? So you can get the green packet of whole nut chocolate. So it's like lumpy, mm. full nuts, not the not the sort of crunched up nuts. Mm-hmm. I could eat a bar of that. I I I could eat four bars. I I I my my stomach knows no bounds when it comes to chocolate. Mm. You know the big big bars they've got in Little and Aldi now, the ones that have got um, salted caramel and peanuts and Oreo bits and stuff in them. Oh, the big Cadbury ones. They're not Cadbury. They're, they're a little one. They're, they're, I'm going to say they're probably the size of a keyboard. They're about 350 each. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're really heavy. Yeah. I, I ate one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking savage. No bother. Didn't even make me feel sick. But we had some donuts the other day. I went to to Ennis to get my new glasses. And I thought, right, there's a, a Polish uh, bakery in Ennis. And I went in there and I bought a donut and a creamy bun and something else. whatever. And I brought them home and nobody could decide what they wanted. So we cut them all up and sort of had them on a plate and sort of went at them, you know. And uh, about half an hour later, I got a headache. And felt like, oh, oh wow, too much sugar. And you get to that stage where you think, fuck, oh, you know, I must have been nearly diabetic. Yeah, wow. You know, my body just wasn't able to process it. I was just like, fucked. I'm nearly finished. (laughs) He just doesn't care. He just does not care. 
It's brilliant. Um, yes, I, like, and I worry, I wonder about like how much, like at what point, do, when do you become diabetic? Like how much, it's probably different for everybody else, but like if you're eating chocolate every day, would you eventually become diabetic? No, I or, don't think you do. I don't think it works that way. It's all to do with weight levels and your production of it. And, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Like I would, because I know there's people who would just drink Coca-Cola all day or Diet Coke or, yeah, uh, and I know that's really bad. Soft drinks are the worst because you don't really, people don't tend to count them as sugar for some reason psychologically. Uh, so I don't drink any soft drinks ever. No, nor do I. But, and then I don't eat until five o'clock and then, I try and eat quite a lot of fruit and veg, but then I will have a bar of chocolate as well. So I wonder, is it like, I wonder, I'm just thinking that's probably the best way to eat chocolate. I'll probably be okay. I won't get diabetic. <laughs> well, it's like binge drinking, isn't it? Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I'm binge eating. Yeah, nothing, 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 nothing. <laughs> but I still don't, I still don't eat as much food as I would if I ate throughout the day. Like my worry at the moment is I'd be eating food throughout the day and, and having chocolate as well. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be four, fourteen stone, fifteen stone at this stage if I hadn't done that. What's wrong with being fourteen stone? I'd love to be fourteen stone. You're a bit taller than me, though. I'm not fucking seven foot, like. <laughs> I, I just feel it's not good for me to be fourteen stone. So do I join the club? But that's that's what you know. That's what happens. That's what God has done to us. That's what happens at Easter. What if God is one of us? Just a stranger on the bus or a man trying to get enough money home for the tube. Like Pope <clears throat> be in Rome. I tell you what, Easter yeah. is a great time for ecclesiastical music now. It Explain my, yourself. It must be my favorite sort of hymnal time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are your favorite what are your favorite hymns? I like the one, the um, oh, sacred heads surrounded by cradle-piercing thorns. Do you know that one? No, not really. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. I I remember, um, he is Lord, he is Lord, oh. he is risen from the dead. Every knee shall bend, every tongue confess, confess that Jesus Christ, Christ is, is Lord. Lord. Well, actually, let me just... Stop you there for a second. Initially, originally, it was the pagans, and they were talking about the sun, not the son of God, the sun, the actual sun. And the cross was the southern cross. So to say that Jesus Christ is the sun and he has risen is wrong. It's actually the sun in the sky rising again. And that is means the spring and the summer and things are going to be cool. And that's why we're celebrating, guys, by eating chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> he is Lord. Uh, any other Easter songs? Um, Are there specific songs for Easter that I should? Well, that one, um, Sacred Head Surrounded by Crown of Piercing Thorns is great. Wow. Especially when it's sung by like a choir in like big cathedral and stuff. Great title. It sounds like a Pixies album. <laughs> and where do you come across these? Like, would you be listening to this on the radio? Or would you like throw it onto Spotify? Like, do you listen to it or are you just no, rem- no, reminded of it? I wouldn't actively listen to it, but it was always. Um, You'd be thinking of it. Yeah, you remember when you were, you, you were trying to avoid mass on Good Friday at all costs? Like, I'd be saying to my parents, mm. oh, I'll go and do the Stations of the Cross later. That's better. Yeah. I'll, I'll give a thought at every station. What a pile of shit. 
In fact, I don't know if he, the, the ref, the red, the, the Reverend Richard Coles, you know. Yeah, from um, the Commune Arts. Yeah. Uh, he did a phenomenal Stations of the Cross on Twitter on Good Friday. No way. Worth looking at his timeline for that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all based on sort of um, things that are happening now, you know. Okay. Did he talk about... Sad. Did you talk about the pagans believing that it was the sun and that the, the southern cross, the cross was the southern cross, and oh, it wasn't no. actually a Christian celebration? No, no, he's not. He's not like you, Endic, any of religion. <laughs> Everything comes back to pagans with you. We've been we've been celebrating the shit for years, long before. Mm. <laughs> In fact, I am. Uh, I was so happy the other day that Richard Coles actually replied to me on a tweet. No way. Yeah, and it's it, you know what it could tie this podcast up perfectly actually okay. because it was it was chocolate based. Great, go for it. So, my my probably my one of my favourite things of all time are a Tunnock's caramel wafer. Oh yeah, You're yeah. familiar, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. delicious, yeah, yeah, delicious yeah. treat. You've got yeah. the wafer. Oh yeah. oh yeah, a delicious treat is right. They have started doing a dark chocolate version. Okay. Well, so how do you feel about that? It, 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 I I feel excited in a way I shouldn't be. <laughs> I feel turned on about the whole situation. Um, the, the 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 normal wrapping is kind of golden red, and this is golden blue, and it kind of like it pings at you. And he put a picture of it on the on Twitter and said, "Look, I found the Holy Grail," and I. I tweeted back almost immediately. I said, there is a God. And he just tweeted back. I told you. <laughs> what a yeah. wonderful Easter miracle. Yeah, there is a, it's the miracle of caramel wafers. <laughs> it's the miracle of the guy from the communards tweeting you back. Yeah. That's... I was so happy because I quite like him on Twitter. I love yeah. him on Twitter. He's a good guy. He seems, seems like a decent dude. It's, yeah. it's interesting that a pop singer from the, you know, Eddie's is now a preacher, a priest. What do you call him? Vicar? Is he, is he, is he Catholic he's a or Protestant? He's just written. No, he's Protestant, but he's just mm. written a book about his um, partner, David, who died. Oh. Um, who was also a vicar. No way. So there were two, and, uh, two vicars. The age of. Two, yep. vic two vicars um, in love. Yeah. He, David was only 40 odd when he died, and he died of alcoholism. Oh, shit. Yeah, wow. very, very sad. I've seen him doing the rounds on, on radio and stuff recently. It's just very fierce, sad story. And that's a book, fierce, is it? Sad. That's a book. Yeah, about dealing with grief. Highly recommended. There's um, a book I'm interested in Richard getting. Coles. Check it out. Of course I couldn't fucking remember the name of it. Uh, listen, man, thank you very much for joining me again two days in a row. And we, we talked... When I tell you, viewers, readers, we mentioned not one thing from yesterday's podcast was mentioned on this podcast. No, we haven't actually. No, and it was really good. It was great. We, we've all those stories. But today was great as well, but for a totally different reason. And I I feel like, I don't know, I don't know, Mike, I just feel like you're proper, like you're you're a proper, you're from proper Limerick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't fuck with the Clausies. No. That's Holy shit, man. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. You, you've gone up in my estimations. And, I, and you're quite high in my estimations, as it were. So. Wow. 
There you go, Mike. Yeah, you've gone up in my estimation your whole uh, Mexico trip. <laughs> I'll tell you about at the age of, you know, you're, you're, the song for that, obviously, of when you when you're getting hitched, you know, you're, at the age of forty-seven, she realized she'd never drive through Paris in a sports car with the warm wind in her hair, and you're all driving up the Santa Monica Boulevard or whatever it is at that beautiful top down. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Hanging out in Venice Beach, that was the best part. Um, I'll tell you the story someday of me being a little bit, how do you say, stoned? Stoned. In, <laughs> in Malaysia, driving a car that wasn't mine without a license and having not really driven before, and the cops are right behind me, following oh, me. Oh, no. And I'm oh, that... very paranoid. That reminds me of a time I drove in New Zealand without a license. But hey, at least I wasn't drinking monkey juice. I've learned more about you and your drinking habits from listening to your most recent podcasts, actually. Oh, yeah. With um, the lady, what's her Kate Gunn. Kate Gunn and her new her book, uh, The Accidental Sober East, is very good. I recommend it yes. highly if you're interested in drink, which most people are. Um but yeah, yeah, I the, the the longer I'm off the booze now, because it's nearly a year and a half, the more <laughs> I look back at some of my drinking stories with um yeah. I don't know if it I don't know if it's horror or amazement or pride. I think wrestling with monkey juice is mm-hmm. uh, that was the takeaway line from Kate Gunn. Um, from that, that, uh, and the other one, of course, was I. You know, you were talking to this lady about drinking. Sorry, we're rambling again, right? But um, this is worth saying. You were talking about that lady. You said, you know, I gave up drink. I don't know why I gave up drink. I, you know, I just sort of did something, and um, I, I really don't know why. I, it's not as if I had a problem or anything, you know. But I really do miss, you know, myself and Suzanne. We might get a bottle of Carver and drink it, drink it on the train on the way into Dublin. Have a few margaritas, maybe go to a club get a train home and you'd still be giddy so you'd have maybe a bottle of wine when you get in <laughs> Fuck it out. Oh, there's your reason right there man <laughs> just insane levels yeah yeah not good not good no but it was it was also the language i sneak a bottle of carva or maybe a prosecco onto the train and she would finish that before you got to dublin <laughs> oh totally like what 30 miles up the road and you're a bottle in already. Fucking oh, hell. Holy shit. Mike, it's fantastic. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Pleasure's always. Yesterday been. was really great. And actually, today was really, was just as good. I'm glad. If, if not better. I don't uh, know. Yesterday was perfect. The lost tapes. <laughs> the lost tapes. We'll have to try and reconstruct yesterday's podcast. But yeah. that's the beauty of it, Mike. And uh, I loved your stories about your, your family and your granny and your uncles and all that. Madness. There's man, there's so you need to be what are you doing talking to me? You need to be writing this stuff. Frank McCourt had it easy. Fucking hell. Yeah, okay. Uh we're out of town, baby. Did I press record? Oh fuck, don't even start. Actually, just give me let me get a little bit of oh, let's do the five seconds. This is the, the five seconds crack that you were at yesterday. This yeah. is what led to the shit. I'm gonna record five seconds, dear listener. Um he said to me yesterday, okay, don't say anything. I'm gonna record Five seconds of Atmos, which we had a long argument about the word Atmos, which is atmosphere. And then um, I'm going to lay it down on a track and it's going to be perfect. He didn't record the five seconds and he didn't record anything else. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Let's get five seconds of Atmos. So hopefully um, my audio experiment will work. I mean, it's, we'll see, yeah. we'll see. But uh, yeah, Atmos, yeah. Atmos. I think you could hear somebody behind you coming up the stairs. <laughs> my clock was ticking. There's so going to be like, doom, doom. that's okay. I think that's part of it. I think that's yeah. part of it. Apparently, this is a way of taking out, making the sound crisper. We'll find, we'll see. Okay. It might even bother me, Ars. Right, Mike, enjoy Easter. Good luck. Yeah. Happy Easter. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's cancelled. They found the body. Ching, ching, ching. Well, that's it uh, for the Keith Walsh podcast, episode 90. I can't believe we're up to 90. Up to 90. There's a podcast called Up to 90 that you should listen to with um, Emma Dorn and Julie J. If I'm not much mistaken, are the names of the comedians up to 90. They, I think they mostly talk about 90s things, but they kind of I think that's probably what it started as them talking, reminiscing about things that happened in the 90s. Um, and uh, yeah, so there you go, up to 90. But we are up to 90. This is our 90th episode. Thanks very much to Mike for a very enjoyable chat. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a good one. I just love the idea of his uncle going all the way to Jamaica on the banana boat. And not getting out to see Jamaica and just staying on the boat and going all the way home again. Having shoveled coal for 12 hour shifts, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Madness, I tells you. Madness. Um, But that's the way things were. And uh, yeah, me and the family sat down last night to watch Angela's Ashes. We watched the first half. We're going to watch the second half now this evening if I'm, if I'm in time or they haven't done it already. Charlie is sitting. Not my feet. What a toy that he likes me to throw. He's going to keep coming back to me and, and I'll have to keep throwing it and that's going to be us for the night. And it wrecks my head. Charlie, Charlie, you know that wrecks my head? I should never have taught you how to fetch. Anyway, i got to go. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you're new to the podcast, you're very welcome. Please subscribe and that means the podcast will drop into your inbox every Monday, whatever... Thursday, so I do t- put up two podcasts on a Monday. One is an interview, and one is a chat with Mike. Then I put up one on a Thursday or two, depending on how I'm feeling. And uh, so you don't miss them, just subscribe and they'll drop into your inbox. And uh, do tell your friends about the podcast and share on social media if you enjoy a particular episode. There is a supporter link as well in the description of the podcast if you want to leave a few quid, uh, five or ten or twenty, whatever, whatever you can afford, ten grand if you have it. And um, I've stopped talking about, but we are trying to. Get the money together to make a little animation of the podcast. And I think the story about Mike's uncle not getting off the boat in Jamaica might be perfect. Anyway, there's loads of great moments. Uh, i got to go. Have a good evening. Mind yourself. Thanks very much to Acast. have to thank Acast. And, yeah, be good. Shout out to the OGs. Shout out to the newbies. Um, light and love and blessed be the something blessed be the I, I really have to work on a sign I'll just say goodbye bye goodbye bye 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 go on you go you hang up first
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 